If you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians 4. And go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're beginning a look at a new theme today, introduced by Paul, beginning in verse 10, which carries through to the conclusion of this letter. And we are just leaving the section that began in chapter 4, verse 1, and ending in verse 9, where we've been learning what it looks like to stand firm as believers in Jesus Christ, what it looks like to be stable in our life lived for God's glory. This new theme introduced beginning in verse 10 uh, is that of, it's a spiritual blessing really, and you need to realize that, it's that of being content, contentment. Do you know what contentment is? (laughs) Do you know what, what contentment is personally? Very few people know what real contentment is. Contentment is uncommon. And because contentment is uncommon, it's helpful to have godly examples like so much of what we encounter in our spiritual lives and and we find that we need help with. This too is something that we need help with and we need good and godly examples. And I am so grateful for God's word that instructs us and teaches us and gives us Godly examples of what contentment in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ looks like. So as we now move to the closing remarks of Paul's letter to the Philippians, what we find here is really a deep expression from the heart of Paul. It's one of gratitude to these believers for their support of him, their heartfelt, loving generosity on his behalf, And I want to just caution you that as sometimes we get to the end of a book like this, and if you read through books of the Bible, you might get to this and think, oh, this is just the conclusion, and skim through it and and move on in your reading. I don't want to do that because uh, every word of God's word is important. And even this conclusion, it might seem like it's a a concluding remarks, and, and it may seem unimportant, but it's certainly not. And I think you'll see that. As we study along here, every word in God's word is important. So I want to take our time as we consider the remaining verses here in Philippians 4. And I think what we as we study these verses over the next few weeks, we're going to see a clear picture of contentment here. And it's powerful. It's a powerful example to follow from Paul's life, from his ministry and from these words that God moved him to write. The central idea of these last few verses in chapter 4, can be summed up in Paul's statement in verse 11, where he says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. My challenge to you is, can you say that? Can you say that's true of your life? I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Can you say that? Is that true of you? That's not easy, is it? It is not easy to be content. I've discovered, and maybe you have too, that learning to be content is an ongoing process. I feel like I'm still learning this. I I feel like I'll still be learning this for the rest of my life. We, We battle discontentment, don't we? This kind of attitude is rare today that that we see here in Paul's example. You are constantly being conditioned by the world around you for discontentment. 
advertisers thrive on your discontentment. <laughs> you don't really need much help either being discontent because it come, you come by it naturally. Your old nature is one of discontentment. Most everyone at heart is really, when you think about it, is actually pursuing contentment. I mean, the world around us is pursuing hard. They may not label it this, but they're really trying to find contentment. They're trying to find happiness and joy and contentment. But even though contentment is something everyone wants, few people find it. For believers in Jesus Christ, there's hope. And we can find contentment. And we have God's help in finding contentment. We have godly examples. We have His Word. So to guard our hearts against discontent, God has given us the godly examples that we find here in Philippians 4 and elsewhere in the Bible. So there's hope for you if you're a follower of Christ and you know you struggle with contentment. There is hope for you who believe in God's Word because God's Word holds wisdom for you which when followed will lead you not to discontentment but to peace in the Lord, to contentment in God. So as we look at the closing verses in Philippians 4, we're going to discover together how we can learn to say, as we hear Paul say in verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Or hopefully at least you'll be able to say, I am learning in whatever situation I am to be content. So let's look at, or actually I want to read the rest of the chapter here. Beginning in verse 10, let's read uh, the, the following verses to the close of the chapter. And I just want to get an idea. We're not going to look at all these verses today. We're just going to stay in verse 10 this morning. But I want to kind of set the scene here and the context for these closing verses and this idea of contentment in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. So beginning in verse 10, follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now go back to verse 10, and we'll see the first part of wisdom that leads to true contentment for you whose faith is in Christ. 
The first part of wisdom that leads to contentment is this. It's rejoicing and resting in the Lord. Rejoicing and resting in the Lord. You need this to be content with where God has you, with what God is providing for your life. Note Paul's statement that opens verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, what is Paul rejoicing over? We see it here. He alludes to it. He talks about it. He's rejoicing that the Philippian believers had shown their care for him. And he's rejoicing over the evidence of their love for him. Much time had passed since these believers had been able to help Paul. But now, through Epaphroditus, having been sent to Paul, as seen there in verse 18, they were able again to send provisions for Paul's needs. And Paul wasn't rejoicing so much in the things that they had given to meet his needs. And this is important for us to remember. He wasn't rejoicing so much in what they had sent but he was rejoicing and gladly giving to God praise and glory because they had gladly been giving to help meet his needs. They had been giving to God by giving to Paul. It's seen in the fact that he's rejoicing over their care for him. He's rejoicing in the Lord greatly. Notice the source of Paul's thankful attitude. It comes from his complete confidence, I would suggest that his grateful and thankful attitude, it comes from his complete confidence in the power of a sovereign God to provide for his needs. Paul's gratitude is based on the fact that he knows who is in control. Do you know who's in control? Do you know? He's rejoicing in the Lord. That's the first part of wisdom which leads to contentment. Be sure that in all your rejoicing, as you see God providing for your needs, as you see God sending people into your life to encourage you and help you, be sure that you're rejoicing in the Lord and doing so greatly. We can see it in Paul's example. First, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Paul was certainly thankful for the love that was shown to him. He wasn't neglecting thanking the Philippian believers, and he was grateful for them, certainly. He's thankful for the love shown to him by these believers. He did not take them for granted. He was grateful for their care for him. He was thankful. He was pleased to see this demonstration of their love for him and their love for the Lord as they helped him. But he rejoices in the Lord greatly. That tells us that Paul's confidence wasn't in the Philippian believers and in what they could do for him. He wasn't hanging on their support for him or their ability to send support to meet his needs. They had just resumed their support for him. In fact, they couldn't keep up their support of him. Even what they wanted to do, they couldn't always do. They had just resumed their support of him. So it's clear they hadn't been able to keep up their support If he had been clinging for hope on what the Philippian believers could do for him, his hopes would have been dashed when the support stopped, as it did for a time. Note also that his confidence wasn't in himself. That's important for us to remember. 
He wasn't finding confidence in himself. It wasn't to himself that he looked for for confidence, for contentment. Note that he wasn't doing that. In human terms, he he was helpless in human terms. Think of where he is as he's writing this. He's being held captive. He couldn't provide for himself. But his confidence was in God. And we need to see that as a need in our lives. Our confidence needs to be in God. Not in one another, although we might find great encouragement from each other. Not in in the things that we possess, although we might find encouragement and joy in the things that God has blessed us with. Is your confidence in God? We hear this from Paul in Ephesians 1.11. In Him, he says, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. He's talking about the Lord. And because Paul's confidence was in God, he wasn't anxious about God's provision. There's a lesson for us to learn. If you're looking to the Lord... Why would you be anxious? If you're trusting in God, why would you be worried? Instead of being anxious, he was resting in the Lord. That's the second part of this wisdom that we hear and see from Paul. First, he was rejoicing in the Lord. And I would suggest, secondly, that he was resting in the Lord. Note it. And we'll see this even more as we continue into the remainder of this passage in our future studies, but note it, he was resting in the Lord. We can see it in the next phrase when he says that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Again, I'll go back to this point that he realized that he wasn't dependent on the Philippian believers. He was dependent on the Lord. They couldn't help him all the time that they wanted to help him. Had Paul been floundering in discontentment, he would have been more concerned and impatient with the fact that their support of him ceased for a time. But he doesn't say that. We don't hear him saying here, well, it's about time that you send your gifts again. What in the world kept you? He doesn't say that. We don't hear that from him. He says, you were indeed concerned for me. I knew you were concerned. I knew you couldn't help but I was resting in the Lord. I know you had no opportunity. Paul's attitude is one of trust in God. I call that resting in the Lord. Are you resting in the Lord? Are you resting on His promises? Paul was rejoicing in the Lord and resting in the Lord because his confidence was in the Lord. Because of this, he wasn't anxious about how God would provide well, there's a temptation for us. We might, stay, we must, uh, might step back from our problems and say, well, I'm trusting in God. I think this is how he's going to do it. <laughs> I, think, I think that's how he's going to do it. No, no, I think well, I, I've got it all figured out. I'm trusting in the Lord, but that's how he's going to. No, rest in the Lord. Paul wasn't doing that. He knew in whom he should trust, and he was trusting in the Lord. This takes us right back to what we heard from Paul when we looked at verse 6 where he said, "Do not be anxious." Go back and look at verse 6. "Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving." 
with thanksgiving. That's resting in the Lord. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul told us back there, replace worry with prayer. Replace your anxieties with trust. Trust in the Lord. Go to Him in prayer. Put your confidence in God. Make your request known to the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. And what happens when you put your trust in God? That's verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what happens when your heart and mind is guarded in Christ Jesus? You're led toward contentment. God does that. God helps you learn contentment as you look to Christ daily. It's also in what we looked at last week in verse 9. Look at verse 9 again. Practice these things. In other words, trust God and obey God. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What happens when you find the God of peace at your side? You find yourself learning to be content. And we can see here that Paul wasn't anxious. He wasn't concerned about his own needs or concerned about whether these believers cared for his needs or not because his confidence was in God. He was resting in the Lord and trusting in the Lord. He was rejoicing in the Lord. He was resting in the Lord. Paul knew they were concerned. He knew the Philippian believers cared deeply for him cared for his needs. He says, you were indeed concerned for me. I know you cared. I know I never doubted you cared, he says. I know you simply lacked the opportunity. And because Paul's confidence was in God, he didn't panic. You ever find yourself on the verge of panicking? Oh no, what am I going to do now? What you're going to do now is turn to the Lord with grateful and thankful prayer. <laughs> right? That's what we need to preach to ourselves. Because Paul's confidence was in God, he didn't panic. And you can learn that too. You can learn contentment in the Lord so that when difficulties come and when you're faced with trials and difficult decisions, you don't panic. You say, wait, I'm rejoicing in the Lord greatly. I'm going to rest in Him. Paul wasn't worrying about what he would do next. And we can learn from that. Paul was resting completely in God Paul could say with confidence that though there were times of difficulty, and and my word, Paul experienced difficulty. I'm not sure I would have wanted to have been uh, Paul's companion. He went through so many difficulties. To be there with him would take you through the same difficulties that Paul endured. He could rejoice in the Lord even though he had gone through difficulties and was in the middle of one. He could rejoice in the Lord and rest in the Lord knowing that this too was part of God's plan and good purpose. We need to be settled in that. We need to be settled with problems that we face, hardships and difficulties that we face, not being a surprise to God. Have you ever stopped to think about this? Sometimes we do cry out to the Lord, Oh Lord, I know you're surprised about this like I am, this trouble that I'm in. No, he's not. 
He's not surprised about it. And Paul knew this. It was because Paul was fully trusting the Lord that he could say, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, even though your giving stopped. (laughs) I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Are you learning to put your trust in the Lord every day? Not just on Sundays. Are you learning to put your trust in the Lord every day? Listen to the familiar words of Romans 8, 28. And Paul writes there that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Do you hear that? Reminding you who is in control? God is in control. Paul knew this. Paul knew contentment because he knew that God was completely, and God still is completely, in control. Paul's understanding of God and how God works made it possible for him to learn joy, to know peace, to know contentment. That's why he could say, as we will see when we get to verse 12, look at verse 12 again, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Our problem is, we look at verse 12 and we say, Lord, Please help me learn the problem of facing plenty. (laughs) Lord, help me to learn how to deal with plenty. We like to have that. We don't want to know the, the contentment of facing need. Do you realize that you can be content even as you face need? If you're resting in the sovereign God of the universe? Believer, listen, you need to learn, as Paul did, that you can be content Whatever happens or doesn't happen, knowing that it's all a part of God's good purposes being fulfilled in and through your life. Your understanding of God, your confidence in God's goodness and power and your trust in Him that He is in control. That's the providence of God. You ever hear that word, the providence of God? That will strengthen your contentment in the Lord. It will make your contentment possible. Do you trust in God's providential hand? The word providence is never used in the Bible, but if you read the Bible, you're going to discover it is a biblical doctrine. It's everywhere. If you're ever going to be content, you need to understand the providence of God, that God is in control, that God is in control and that He is working all things to fulfill His good purposes. You can hear it in verses like Psalm 103 and verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. And that applies to your life too. And every detail of your life, 
His kingdom rules over all. Or Psalm 66 and verse 7, who rules by His might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations and on the birds. (laughs) Every sparrow that falls, the Lord knows. Matthew 5, 45, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is in control. And you can hear it in the words of Paul from Philippians 1 and verse 6. When we go back to chapter 1, you can see it in verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ because God is sovereign. He is in control. And you can watch God's providential hand throughout the scriptures as he orders events for his glory and the good of his people. And until you understand that God is working everything to fulfill his good purposes and you are a part of those purposes, until you understand that, you will be frustrated. You will be dissatisfied. You will be discontent. Are you learning to fully trust in God? Are you learning to rejoice in the Lord greatly? Are you learning to rest in the Lord? God is sovereign, whether you believe it or not. God is sovereign. God is in control. But it's for your good to believe it and to live like it. And if you will ever be content You need to understand that God's providential hand directs all things, even to the extent of allowing evil. You might say, how does that work? And I would say, that's a good question. I'd like to know how that works, too. But I can tell you this. It's all to fulfill God's good purposes. There is no greater example of the providence and sovereignty of God than in something that happened that we would all say was evil, and that is the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we find these words prayed to God in Acts chapter 4, listen to verses 27 and 28. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, and verse 28 says, and note this, to do, you hear him list these evil people who came along and did something atrocious and evil to the Lord Jesus Christ, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That's God using the evil intent of mankind for his good purposes and planning to do it before it ever happened, before it ever entered their minds. You will never be content if you believe you are the one who is in control. God is in control. So let me warn you again, you will never be content if you believe you are the one who is in control. But if you will put your hope in God 
And when you understand that God is in control and that He is at work, when you learn to rejoice in the Lord and rest in the Lord, then you will have learned the truths that lead to contentment. Then you will be able to say with Paul, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Come what may, whatever crosses your path, whatever comes into your life, as hard as it may be, if you're resting in the Lord, if you're rejoicing in the Lord, you will be able to say with contentment, because you know God is in control, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. May that be true of us at Chardon Baptist Church.